they're not going to see it the same way you do initially, um, which is going to be frustrating because you're going to think you, you know, you laid it out so clear and they're going to, you're going to hear them telling somebody else and you're going to think that's not at all what I said. Um, and you know, the, so they're hearing it different. There's kind of that filter, what you think you said versus what you said versus what they heard. Um, and so just being patient to, to take the time to make sure that, um, people know what direction you're going They're in support, especially your leads are in support of what you're doing. Uh, make sure they know, because one thing they're not going to like is being blindsided by something. You know, um, and so making sure they know what's what's going on, they're bought in because if they're bought in, then they're going to support you when those questions come up, when the the, you know, hiccups happen along the way They're you know, then they've got your back. Well, hey, hey, everybody, welcome to the show today. Thanks for tuning in and listening wherever you are and wherever this finds you. Thanks for making this podcast today a part of your day. This is episode 135 of the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast. Today, talking about large church ministry, context and essentials for large church ministry. Similar to what we've done in the last couple episodes where we tackled bivocational, we've talked about multi-site, lots of principles in this one that you can apply regardless of your context and ministry. And so hopefully you'll have uh, quite a bit of takeaways from today. Good friend of mine, Shay Osborne, jumping on the show today. As we tackle this topic, just tons and tons of wisdom he shares for that. So any notes that you need, all the show notes will be over at thelongerhall.com slash episode 135. thelongerhall.com slash episode 135. So great conversation today with Shay Osborne on essentials, really, for large church youth ministry. So with all that said and out of the way, we'll jump in here to today's interview with Shay. Welcome to the Longer Haul Youth Ministry Podcast, helping you survive and thrive in youth ministry. And now here's your host, Jody Livingston. Well, hey, Shay, thanks uh, for jumping on uh, today. I know it's kind of been a back and forth and um, glad to have you here and really glad to jump in and talk about kind of this idea of large church youth ministry. You're currently not a youth pastor, which seems a little weird that you'd be here talking about that, but you have been a youth pastor. You work closely with youth pastors um, and a whole bunch of things. So how about this for folks listening who don't know you? Take just a minute, maybe introduce yourself, kind of your journey in ministry, how you ended up in ministry and what your role is now. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and so currently I'm discipleship pastor at a, a church in, um, central Southern Virginia. Um, but before that we took, my wife and I kind of took a pass, started off in youth ministry in North Carolina, um, and then went to Marshall university and worked, uh, as campus missionaries there at Marshall university, working alongside our local churches, um, to reach college students with the gospel. And then, we transitioned from there into church planting and planted a church in Northwest Virginia. Uh, we were there for uh, almost 10 years, and my wife was dealing with some uh, health issues that kind of required us to step away from that. Um, really proud that the church is still going and thriving. Um, not always the case for church plants, so we're proud of that. But uh, we had to step away, and, and when the church was healthy enough for us to do that, 
we uh, came to where we are now. And actually, when we first came back, I wasn't uh, serving in a role in uh, vocational ministry. Um, while we were church planning, I taught public school as well to have income because new churches don't have money. Um, and so we, I was a school teacher. We transitioned back to the area we're in, in uh, the Colonial Heights, Virginia area, and was teaching school. But we started serving in the youth ministry uh, at yeah, our church. Did. And so uh, my wife and I were both small group leaders for I had um, started off. They were um, ninth grade boys when I started in that role. And I did that for about three years. So they were 11th graders um, when I transitioned uh, out of that. And now I'm serving in the um, under our team, our adult ministries team now doing focusing in on discipleship, but still working closely with our youth pastor, our next gen team. Um, and so we, um, love teenagers. I have two teenagers. One's a freshman in college, one's a junior in high school. Um, and so love teenagers, love seeing students, um, just hear the gospel, respond to the gospel and really start living that out. And so, yeah, excited to be on with you. Yeah, that's cool. And we've been friends a long time. Yeah. Uh, probably, I mean, way back to college, your wife's name is Sarah. My wife's name is Sarah. Not the same Sarah, but same name. Uh, a few things that I think people should know. You, you secret skills of yours. You are amazing at naming animals. Uh, you you have dogs with the coolest names. Yep. You had a Mr. Clayton when we were in college. Yep, Mr. Clayton. Pit, and now I have Doug Pitbull that we snuck in and out of your apartment. Uh, it was amazing. He was amazing, and and now you have Doug, which is like just such a funny name and. And it matches that dog so much. So, yeah. I, I Every time I go to name a new dog, I'm like, what would Shay name this dog? Anytime, if you name a, an animal like a regular person name, it's just funnier. It is funnier. It's totally funnier. Yeah. Yeah, we have a dog now named Lucy. Yeah. And she's evil. So I call her Lucifer. <laughs> Lucy is short for Lucifer. And, uh, yeah. That was a, that was a, what would Shay name this dog? Oh, I bet, I bet this would be good. So super fun. We also, at one point we're plotting to, uh, we were going to apply to be on the amazing race. That's true. You remember this? Yeah. We we're going to be the amazing race. We thought we were shoe ins, two bald youth pastors at the time. Yeah. And, uh, we thought we travel, we've done mission trips. We don't stress out about much. We get along really well. We, we, we thought this was a shoe in. But our wives at the time, who were smarter than us, did point out that we're not competitive. We're not competitive, and, and we would have probably spent way too much time laughing and not actually completing <laughs> yeah. the uh That's very tasks. true. Generally speaking, when we're together, we laugh a lot. Yeah. And so uh, they thought that we would mess up the task or miss our flight. We think that's funny. And that we actually wouldn't make it very far. And, that, and so I think at that time I was like a very newlywed too. So yeah, you were just some married. of my wife's decision not to want me to go. Yeah, she already had your number. She already knew uh, that, and yeah, you were just brand new, and she didn't want you to go. And so yeah, now twenty we, years we, later, our wives may be all aboard with us. They would probably be glad to see us go. Although they would, <laughs> they would still have the <laughs> same concerns. Like you're not going to win. It's just not going to happen. So. Anyway, all right, so we're talking about uh, large church youth ministry. Um, in the last episode, um, Tommy Burkhart was on. Tommy is here with me in Southern California, just came 
on to in a full-time position actually he, he's been bivocational for a long long time you know they always promise right that one day you'll be full-time he actually did it he made it um and so it was a really cool conversation just talking through kind of some challenges of bivocational ministry uh some advantages to bivocational youth ministry and then just some really practical like tips and helps mm. i found that pattern that to be really helpful you know challenges advantages and practical helps Generally speaking, if you're bivocational, my assumption is you're in a bit of a smaller context. Right. Um, I've been bivocational. I think you were at one point, right? I was bivocational. I mean, most of the time we were church planning, I was bivocational. Yeah, but it, so, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. So I think we we live have lived that world. Um, I think there's assumptions when I was a bivocational guy, or even in a smaller context, there were a lot of assumptions I had about larger churches and what that would be like. Uh, and it is not like that. Yeah. And so part of me wants to have this to help those who are in larger contexts to be more effective. The other part of me wants to have this because I know there are people listening who genuinely will end up in a larger context. Maybe that's a hope or desire or not, but they're going to end up in that. And so how do you prepare for that? Mm-hmm. And then the other side of me just wants to kind of break down some kind of stereotypes that maybe aren't fair to have. So... I have some things, and I know you have some things. Uh, I alliterated all of mine because that's, I don't know, just what I tend to do. So we'll start down the list. Is that all right with you? Sounds good. All right. So here's the first thing I have. I think, and this is, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this, and then I'm going to have to clarify this because I think this word in and of itself, particularly in ministry and churches, sometimes feels a little dirty. Um, and so I'm going to say, professionalism. Yeah. Uh, and this is an essential to large church ministry. You have to have professionalism. And what I mean when I'm saying professionalism is you need to be able to return phone calls promptly. You need to be able to return emails promptly. You need to be able to um, manage your time well. Um, I think generally speaking, youth pastors get a bad rap for not doing that. Um, and so you have to be able to have some sense of, it's an expectation, whether or not they say it, there's an expectation that there will be some professionalism. Truth be told, that should be present regardless right. of, of your context. In your world, because you're in a fairly large context as well now, have, how do you see that play out? Yeah, I think for, there's well, there's a couple of things. Um, one, because more people means more emails and phone calls and uh, events and all the things going. So just from a um, self-preservation standpoint, to be (laughs) able to stay on top of those things and contact people back. Because for me, um, I'm not like my default mode would not be highly organizational. Um, And so I would um, maybe like, oh, I'll, I'll get to that email, you know, this afternoon or tomorrow or whatever. And then by that time it's, it's so far down the list and, yeah. um, you know, outlook that I may or may not remember it at that point. And so, um, being able to have some sort of system to stay on top of it, stay organized with it, um, you know, re- returning phone calls, those kind of things helps me just like in my own sanity. I'm not worried about if I've forgotten something, I, I'm not, uh, trying to, go back and look through a long list uh, of um, emails or whatever it may be to be able to make sure that I, I've 
uh, done everything I need to do because it would be easily forgotten. Um, and, and two, I think you are, you represent, and this is true in a small context too, but, um, you know, you represent more than yourself in, in your yeah. area of ministry. You're representing yeah. Yeah. Uh, a lot of ministries within the church and how you interact with people and deal with people. Um, but it also gives you a lot of credibility, I think, especially in youth ministry. Cause like you said, there's almost like a expectation in youth ministry that you're not going to be, um, as professional, like, <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I, I don't mean that in like the laid back cool way, like, like the adult, yeah, not like, in a good way. You're, right. you know, you're a, one day you'll be a real pastor, but that day's not yet. And the expectation kind of is like that. <laughs> and if you can, um, be professional in how you deal with people, how you talk to people, how you follow up with people, it's going to give you instant credibility, um, to where they see you in that role as, Hey, this is a pastor. This isn't the, the pastor just for my kids. Um, yeah. this isn't the guy that we're paying to babysit on Wednesday nights. Like this is one of the pastors of my church and yeah. you'll start being viewed that way and get that kind of, um, the respect that, that, you know, comes along with being prompt about those things. Yeah. And, the, and you're so right. The reality is you're always earning trust, right? You're earning in a large context, you're earning trust with a team of people around you, uh, people that you maybe oversee or people that you report to, regardless, you're earning trust with your parents that you're serving, your mm-hmm. volunteers. And if you're not returning, you know, emails and phone calls and messages promptly, gosh, what a, what an easy way to earn trust that you're just undercutting. Yeah. Um, and so you've got to be on that. And for me, that means I have to set aside some time. Okay. This is, this is my time. Either I try to respond right away or I set some time aside to do it. Cause I'm not, I'm not very organized either naturally. Like I've, you have, I've had to learn to be mm-hmm. that and to be better at that. And so one of the things I try to do is, um, uh, my, I schedule the time and I try to do it, um, in the morning. And so that, um, I kind of get through those things, um, early. And so if it's something that I know, okay, this could be, you may be a potential tough conversation. Um, let me go ahead and deal with that if possible. I mean, people work and those kind of things. So it's not always possible, but if I can to kind of deal with that earlier in the day, um, and then I'm not dreading or wondering about that later on. Or if you get the call, that's like, Hey, can we talk sometime? You know, and there's no context right. to what right. that yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, oh man. But go ahead and and deal with that early on. I'll try to do emails early on, so I don't have to worry about whether I remember to do them later on. Uh, so usually, I try to do those early in the day, and then later in the day for me becomes um, more like one-on-one meetings, or um, you know, if I'm preparing, prepping for something, those kind of things, and then I'm not worried about if I've missed stuff. Yeah, I love that. Um, the other thing that comes to mind when I think about professionalism is just managing meetings. I don't know about you. I am in so many meetings now. Um, and so I have to be able to manage my time in those. I have to be able to just um, be present in those because a lot of the meetings I'm in, I'm not necessarily there so much because I they want my input per se. It's just more of so that I know what's going on, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so what I always, and, and this is something that I really press into our team and like our, we, we just started around a new round of, of residents here interns, like man, be on time. Don't be late to meetings, uh, show up prepared, 
be present. Like, don't be on your phone. I don't care if you're taking notes on your phone. Find another way. Right. Uh, because you might know that, and maybe, and the reality is that you may be serving with folks who are older than you, and that this isn't a knock in that, but it looks to everyone in the room like you're texting. Yeah. Um, and so, again, a notebook. I don't even really like to take notes on my computer, um, you know, all the time, maybe an iPad or something I can write on, but... I think a computer is better than a phone for sure. Show up with something. Don't show up with nothing. Be present. Be aware. Um, be humble in those, all those things. Yeah. There's just, you're going to be in a ton of meetings. There's no question about that. Yeah. And we're, uh, oddly enough, for being a large church, we don't have a ton of meetings. Um, but um, we do have, like, our team has a weekly meeting. And so we have that. Um, our team leads really good about, starting and ending on time. Um, and so if there's things that need to be kind of pushed to a side meeting or pushed to the next meeting or whatever, really respecting the time. Um, and so I'm not in the lead position, but I know that's something that I really appreciate. And so if you are in that position mm-hmm. and you've said, Hey, we're going to be done at, you know, 11 o'clock that yeah, finish on time. Your team has probably made plans for what they're doing at 11 o'clock. Um, whether that's going to get lunch or that's another meeting or whatever it is. And so, yeah, I've really appreciated that, but yeah. And then, uh, we'll have a minute, we have a ministerial team meeting. So it's all of the pastors, um, are in it. And so, um, in that one, our, our lead pastor typically sends us out something like, Hey, here's the agenda. Here's what we're going to be talking about. Come ready to talk about whatever it is. Um, and on a large team and a concise amount of time, um, it's, very rare that everybody gets a turn in that, but yeah. Yep. Um, and so I, I say that because like the temptation might be like, well, I'm probably not even going to be able to share. So, you know, I won't yeah, worry about yeah. this, but, yeah. uh, coming into it again, it's, it's earning that equity to say like, Hey, I was prepared. I'm ready to go. Um, you, you start to be taken more serious in those. And, um, you know, I hate sitting in a meeting where I feel like, hey, that was a total waste of my time. Um, yeah. And so I've been in between ministry and yeah. public school think, teaching. I've been in a lot of those meetings over the years. I will. And, um, um, you know, so you don't want to be the guy that's wasting everybody's time. Right. I will end up in meetings like department lead meetings, pastor meetings, and then I'll meet with my team. And so between all of those, <clears throat> like our team meeting, and then I'll meet with them individually uh, each week. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. And so I have to be able to manage those well. And that, that even goes back to my calendar management. You know, I have, I, I have to manage and stay on top of my calendar. Everything is a calendar invite or it doesn't exist. Um, and, and that, that's just a necessary thing for me. I, you know, you, you, we mentioned earlier being organized, you just have to be better organized. You may not be incredibly organized, you know, naturally, mm-hmm. but you have to learn or you have to leverage you know, an administrative assistant or somebody who is right. Um, that's a necessity. Yeah. We've been using, um, we use Microsoft teams and of course there's other things that you can use that are similar, but, um, you know, as much as I can, like if I'm, if I am leading, sometimes I'll lead our team meetings, uh, putting that content there that people can reference beforehand, have after, um, I think that's helpful too, for keeping the meeting scheduled on time and, and, um, you know, you're not having to cover things the whole, it could have been an email thing. 
problem with that is yep. nobody ever, you know, checks their email. Nobody ever reads it. Yeah. Um, but in that context, we say, Hey, we know we have a meeting coming up. Here's the different material. Um, kind of be prepared to talk or here's the stuff to follow up with. So we're not spending the time. We're not spending time in the actual face to face time that could be a, you know, a Google doc or a, a word document or something that people can just read the info. Yeah. A great, great book on meetings. It's called death by meeting. If you've not read that, um, that's a great book on meetings. I, I need to do more of what that book says. Um, but it's a great book. And then, you know, you just talk about organization, getting things done. Honestly, that, that book, uh, getting things done is great. Um, I'll put links for both of those in there in, in case those are things that you're struggling with. And then the other thing I think just to say quickly, as we're talking about professionalism is just managing your budget. Well, um, more moving parts, more moving pieces, more line items, not necessarily. And, and your budget, um, your budget doesn't scale to the size of your ministry. Like I, I used to think, Oh, I'm going to, if I was in a larger church, I'd have all this money and I could just spend money. You do have more money, but it's not proportionately scaled. <laughs> um, you know, yes, I have more money. I also have more kids and more volunteers. And we talked about that in the in the multi-site uh, episode as well, but it's just tricky. So you got to be able to manage it well. You have to be able to manage your budget well. So professionalism, really important. Uh, here's the second thing that I had was playing well with others. How important do you feel like that is in a large church context? Um, I think I'm still learning to do that. Um, so for my context, I came out of being the, the lead um, pastor of a church plant that I start it with a few other families. And so I kind of set the culture and the tone, which, uh, had some bad things. Cause if things weren't going the way I liked them, that was my fault. But <laughs> if, um, yeah. you know, I, and so it was a transition for me then to come in and, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not in charge. <laughs> and so, right. um, yeah. you know, having to, I may have an idea that I think is a great idea, but now, all right, how does that fit in with everything else we're doing? Um, you know, how does that, how is that going to affect other things? And so being able to come in, have those conversations, um, you know, and, and with all different types of personalities, we've got guys on our staff that are, um, you know, more boisterous, um, you know, in their, um, how they deal with things. We've got guys that are, are more timid in how they deal with things. And so kind of getting to know, um, the other, the other staff, the other men and women that I work with and how to communicate with them to make sure, cause I can, um, I don't particularly like conflict, but the way I deal with that is I attack it fast and hard, um, yeah. to get it over with. And so I have to be very aware of that. I'll, uh, um, you know, I think my ideas are great ideas. And so yeah, I think the best. we should all do my ideas. Um, <laughs> and so I have to kind of be careful of making sure that I'm, um, whatever I'm doing, I'm doing in love. Yeah. You know, um, I, I'm not, um, my feelings aren't hurt very easily. And so I, I think you know, church planning maybe probably played a role in that, but, um, and so kind of thick skin and, but still having to, um, remember that not everybody's me. And so I have yeah. to, you know, be aware of how am I coming across to people? How's that communicating? And then like I said, the, the, um, the impact, you know, and so, uh, our church that I, in Winchester was small, you know, 120 people. It's fairly easy to, to turn a, a small boat yeah. when you're, yeah. when you're on a cruise ship, 
it's a lot harder to turn that thing. It takes more time and it affects more things. And so what's the decision that I'm making? How is that impacting, um, you know, other ministries that already exist? And, and one of the things I'm finding out is, yeah, I'm making plans for things that I've been tasked with that are having impact on ministries that um, I didn't even know were there because I'm relatively mm-hmm. new to the role. And so, yeah, I should have like, oh, I probably should have like asked some questions about that first. <laughs> um, right. I should, probably should have done and gone around and asked, hey, how is this? If I do this, how is that going to impact what you're doing? Um, and so I, I'm I'm learning to play well with others in the context I'm in now. Yeah, and you're so right. Things move slower. Decisions happen slower uh, in a larger church, in a larger context, more people impacted. Um, you know, if I'm making a change here, which happens quite a bit, then I really, the I start with kind of, here's the change I want to make. What's the benefit? What's it going to accomplish? What's, you know, what are going to be some of the stumbling blocks? Mm-hmm. And then I'll really make a list. Who does this impact? What departments? Who on staff? How does it impact them? And then I need to start having those conversations before I pull the trigger. Yeah. Who do I need to get approval from? Um, yeah, all those things. Yep. It uh, takes a while. A lot of relational equity necessary in a large context. Right. Yeah, one of the things yeah. I did, we, um, and so we're coming up with a new uh, kind of a, a paradigm shift for the church of what the discipleship process looks like. Um and we really wanted it to be something kind of the whole church from children's ministry on up. And so going to our children's pastor, our youth pastor, our young adult pastor, and saying, hey, here's what I'm thinking. How does this impact you? How does it? Because mm-hmm. when I'm, I'm dealing with adults, but those adults have kids and teenagers. Yep. And so yep. we're making a decision here in the, you know, well, how does that impact? Um you know, Ethan, our youth pastor, and Eric, our children's pastor, um, and going to him and one, so how does this impact you? Is this going to throw a wrench into your ministry and your plans, what you're doing? But two, um, how can we look at implementing this on those levels so mm-hmm. that the whole church is kind of operating together as opposed to siloed um, ministries where everybody's kind of doing their own thing, yeah. but there's no congruency from one ministry to the other. And so we've been fortunate um, that um, we had, so we had a new youth pastor come on about the same time that I was coming on. Um, our young adult pastor was relatively new in that role for a couple of years. Been in it. Hmm. Our, our children's pastor has been around for, for a little while, but all of us being relatively new, we kind of were able to come in and say, all right, let's, let's see how we work together in these things. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just, it's just more complex. I wouldn't say complicated, but I would definitely say complex. Mm-hmm. And teamwork is going to matter. Your volunteer teams are going to be massively important in a large church. Um, you have to have them. Even though you have more staff, that doesn't mean that you don't need more volunteers. And uh, because you need more of them, it's it's not as easy either as I once thought. I used to think, oh, if, I once, if I'm in a larger church, I'd have so many more people to recruit from. I'd have so many more volunteers. <laughs> And uh, like budgets, I found that volunteers they don't scale either. Right. Um, it's a lot. It's a lot harder on that. And I'll so. say too, um, as a parent, because I, I mean I'm a parent of kids in a, in a large church youth ministry. Um, the their small group leaders, their volunteers that led their small groups, uh, 
had huge, huge impact. Oh uh, yeah. On them. And, um, you know, they, they had a good relationship with, uh, their youth. They've had a good relationship with their youth pastors. Um, you know, they, they serve in different leadership roles in the youth ministry, but, um, I mean, honestly, and this isn't a knock on the youth pastor as much as it is a, a, a you know, not at all because he's training and, and pouring into the, the volunteers, but the, their small group leaders are the ones that, yeah. you know, if they're going to make a phone call, that's, that's probably who it is, you know? Um, yeah. and, and that's been huge for them to have that. So those volunteers, you know, when I was serving in youth ministry, it was a relatively small church and I could kind of do it all and know all the students pretty well. And, um, mm-hmm. You know, I I was young at the time too. Probably didn't understand this real well, but I, I kind of had other adults there because I knew I was supposed to, um, right. and yeah. I needed. Yeah, a certain somebody number said you were supposed to do it. Yeah. Um, but then, as you know, seeing in a larger context that how important those volunteers are, and so being able to pour into them and and you know train them well, but also. Um, you know, finding them. And, and I think this went yeah. off course from what the, the actual topic was, but just shout out to no. the youth ministry volunteers, man, you guys make a huge difference in kids' lives. Yeah. I know. I think that's such a great point. And again, that came up, which makes sense even in the multi-site conversation, because multi-site generally, you know, you're talking about a larger church as a whole, even though some of those campuses aren't, I, I, I can't and don't, I don't know it's funny when, when I first came on staff here, I was leading uh, the student ministry at one of our large, larger campuses. I didn't know all the kids, but I knew all the volunteers. Now I lead our team who leads the campuses. Mm. I don't even know all of our volunteers. Like I know, I know most of them, but we're constantly recruiting new volunteers. And so I, every time I go onto a campus, I feel like I'm meeting someone new who's just joined our team and and, and even as that trickles down, right? So like I can invest in our team who can invest in our volunteers who can invest in their kids. Yeah. I still invest in our volunteers heavily. Like, don't get me wrong. And I still invest heavily in our students, but I'm removed more so than I was before. Right. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm still like yesterday, spent a good bit of time walking through some things with family, counseling, uh, a family, uh, and then in the afternoon, we're doing some parent training on, uh, you know, parenting kids with anxiety hmm. and depression. And so, like, that's still the day-to-day reality for me, but it certainly looks and feels different than it did, you're right, when I knew all the kids. And I was recruiting volunteers because I wasn't old enough to drive the rental car, <laughs> you know? And it, it makes me, I've often looked back and think, gosh, there's not much I would do different, but I sure wish I really understood the value of those volunteers and the impact that they could make, even in those smaller contexts. And I wish I would have been more intentional in empowering and uh, equipping them yeah. to do that. And that's just a necessity in a larger context. You, you don't, it's not an option. You won't be effective without it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we kind of hit on this, but my next one was patience. And so just the fact that, man, things take longer, you, more people are going to speak into everything that you do. Most things aren't really as urgent as they seem. Uh, I think I've learned that. And so knowing where I'm going is, is really important than how fast I get there. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I feel like we covered that. Is there anything that you'd add? Well, I we think one, already? one thing in, in the larger church context, realizing because you have a larger staff. And so if 
whether it's a staff that works under you or you, you like in my role, I'm, you know, I'm on the lower end of the totem pole as far as our staff um, and our leadership structure. But um, so, for instance, we're doing this discipleship model that we're changing things. Like it takes time for the staff to buy in and for them to get on yeah. board. And if they don't yeah. buy in and they don't get on board, especially if you're in a support role and, hey, you've got maybe it's a fantastic idea, but you've got to get your, your lead pastor, your team lead, whoever it is, like they've got to get bought into this as well. And yeah. it takes time and you have to have time for them to ask questions. They're not going to see it the same way you do initially, um, which is going to be frustrating because yeah. – you're going to think you, you know, you laid it out so clear and they're going to, you're going to hear them telling somebody else and you're going to think that's not at all what I said. Um, and you know, the, so they're hearing it different. There's kind of that filter, what you think you said versus what you said versus what they heard. Um, and so just being patient to, to take the time to make sure that, um, people know what direction you're going They're in support, especially your leads, are in support of what you're doing. Uh, make sure they know because one thing they're not going to like is being blindsided by something. Oh man. You know? Um, and so making sure they know what's, what's going on, they're bought in because if they're bought in, then they're going to support you when those questions come up, when the, the, you know, hiccups happen along the way they're you know, then they've got your back. Um, but if they don't know, or they weren't, they, they didn't understand what was going on, then it just creates confusion. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I have, I always tell our guys, and, and, and this is what, something that I've learned here to do. I have a million meetings before the meeting, right? So if I'm walking into a meeting where I'm pitching something new or I'm suggesting and proposing a change in something, I'm going to have a conversation with everybody who's going to be in that meeting before I get into that meeting right. one-on-one to make sure that everybody understands what I'm trying to accomplish and say so that when I get in the room and now I'm doing it with everyone in the room, we're kind of all have a little bit of a head start. Mm-hmm. We're, we're running a little downhill together and I don't have that one person go, I don't understand. Or, but what about this? Or have you thought of, you know, and then derails the whole thing. Yeah. And so that requires a ton of patience. Cause you're like, man, I've spent four months thinking through this. I don't, I don't know why you're going to question it now. I anticipate those questions. And so I'm going to have those conversations ahead of time, which just makes it take even longer. Right. For sure. Which I think leads to the next thing I had on my list, which was planning ahead. Um, I don't know that I've always been great at planning ahead, but I have been really much better at it as the context that I've served in have gotten larger Mm -hmm. because it's more necessary. Again, even going back to what we just said, because things take longer, it's really crucial then that I plan ahead right? because it's not just going to happen like on a dime. It's going to take some time. And because more people are involved in everything, like we said earlier, it's even more that we give everybody plenty of time to get them on board and up to speed, like you just said. And so, you know, for us, what that looks like is, you know, we, we, so we all teach the same outline, Hmm. uh, and then everybody, we come together, we kind of come up with the, the message outlines together. And then everyone takes that and builds their, you know, illustrations and, and cross references and all those things, the message around those outlines. And then we do sermon based groups, small groups, 
so uh, they're having conversations in small groups, not necessarily about the sermon, that maybe even might be fair, but at least about the text that we taught. And so, for example, we have already planned out what we're teaching from the summer all through next school year to next May. So really a year and a, almost a little over a year from of, of curriculum we've planned out. We will have all of those messages outlined by, by May, the end of May, and we will have all of the uh, small group questions written by the end of May. Because I know once we hit summer, we're running at mission trips and camps, nothing's going to get done, and then we're going to roll into August, and we're not going to have anything. And we want to have time, because what we try to do is print all of those questions for the year for our volunteers and give that to them at the start of the school year. And that takes a long time to get formatted and so it gives us the summer gives us a little bit of runway to do that same thing with our large events we do pretty much like the same three or four large events every year so we're already planning next year as we're coming into this year because we we want to make sure that we can do it well that everybody's up to speed that we thought through all the things we've already talked about and you know mission trips camps all that stuff we we i really want us to stay minimum six months ahead i love for us to be a year ahead and I think early on, maybe I didn't give that a lot of credibility because I, I made, I wanted, you know, I wanted to give the spirit an opportunity to like speak into what I was teaching, which sounds awesome. I just also trust that the spirit can move a year out. And, <laughs> right. You know, we can, as we're praying through that, we're being prayerful. We're not just randomly picking that. And if things come up, we'll pivot. Yeah. But at least we have a running start. Well, and if you're planned ahead, it's easier to pivot too. Totally. Because you're totally, not, you know, you kind of knew where you were going. All right, you know, we need to pivot. We need to do something else. And then we come back to where we were and you've already got that planned out. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to make sure that some of our team listens to all that stuff you just said about planning that far <laughs> out. Um, but one of the things, I, you know, again, going from small church context to large church context, um, Small church, I had the equity to make decisions fast, and people would follow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because they knew me. I had been involved in their lives. I could say, hey, here's something that we need to do, and I need, you know, an event comes up, something we can serve the community, and I need, mm -hmm. you know, 30 people this Saturday. And we'd have people there, you know. Um, and the large church, and as well, large church, typically in busier areas. Um, mm -hmm. And so there's a lot more going on. There's a lot of um, things. And so when you have something and you're throwing it up last minute, people aren't able to do that because their schedules are already yes. uh, packed. And that makes a difference. And then also I think in speaking uh, w with youth pastors, um, you know, I thought we were really busy when our kids were little. <laughs> Um, yeah. and in yeah. some ways, yep. yeah, you know, we, we had earlier bedtimes and that kind of stuff, but man, when my kids became teenagers and, um, you know, my, my son wrestled, my daughter's involved in choir at her school. They're in the, the praise band for our youth ministry They're Um, you know, they've got their friends they're doing stuff with, they've got their small group that's got stuff planned. They, you know, just different things that are, that are going on. And, um, you know, if, 
if the youth ministry says, hey, we're doing something in two weeks, I don't, we might not be able to be a part of it, you know? Right, right. And right. so um, planning those things out a little bit more in advance because, oh, you know, when, when you're, the kids are little, it feels like you can't be very flexible. But I think what most people would say is actually, yeah, I was able to be a lot more flexible. Yeah, well, on the other side, were, right? You look back and you go, ah, gosh, yeah, we could totally have done yeah. more. Yeah, yeah, and then a transition from my kids went with me where I went to I was going with my kids where they went. Yeah. You know, I was at wrestling matches and at choir concerts and at, you know, all these kind of things that um, that typically, you know, the school wrestling season, we had the schedule at the beginning of the season. Yeah. So that yep. stuff was planned for our choir um you know, trips and those kind of things. We had that schedule pretty far out. So those things mm -hmm. got planned. And then, you know, if something comes up with church and going, you know, sorry, but these things, like these things have been on the calendar for months um, right. and we can't just shift because of that. And so I would say for the sake of your families and your parents, um, realize that parents of teenagers, they, they are typically scheduled pretty far out. Yeah. Um, yeah they have to be right. Yeah. And, and here's the thing too, like this literally just happened to us. Even when they are scheduled really far out, we get an email today about something that's happening Wednesday for our daughter, who's a senior, yeah. that we have to be at. Right. Okay. Well, that's hard because I'm, I'm a student pastor. Right. <laughs> on a Wednesday night, my wife's super involved, but like we do want her to graduate, and so, <laughs> you know, like, unfortunately. What do you do? I mean, and, and that's not just us. I mean, that's, that's everybody. And so like right now I can tell you, I could pull up my calendar and tell you like those major events for 2024 into 25, we already have those on the calendar for us internally. We will leave camp. Parents will pick up from camp and we will give them the dates for the following year. When I sit down with parents for our parent meeting in August, I'm giving them all of the major events, dates, uh, important, like significant trips, camps, all that stuff in at the beginning of August so that they can go ahead and put that on the fridge and get it on their calendar. Right. Because you're right. It's a race. Whoever gets to the calendar first wins the day. Oh, for sure. And so you have to, uh, you have to plan that out. Yep. So I love that. And that's, and honestly, I didn't do great at that early on. I did not do well at that. Everything was reactive. You're right everything was reactive. And then I was mad all the time because things were taking, you know, place. I'll tell you this too, in a large church, it's, it's not just the first to the calendar wins the family. It also wins the church calendar. Oh yeah. So I can, I will say this with pretty, with confidence, our student team is planned out further ahead than any other department here. And because of that, we generally get the space in the rooms that we want. Right. And need. You know, sometimes we'll get punt, punted or pushed because something comes up that it's unavoidable. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, we're we're ahead of them. And so we get it on the calendar. And, uh, you know, when things come up, people have to adjust to us. That's not always, that's not usually the case with student ministry. Right. But if you can, uh, if you can get planned ahead and get that on there, yeah, you win the day. But again, there. it kind of goes back to that, that first point of professionalism, right? If you're... Totally. You've already got it on the calendar... Um, you're making things easier on your admins. Um, you know, you're making things easier on your facility guys. I know we, uh, yep. 
yep. our facility guys, two of them are, um, one of them is he was the best man in my wedding. I mean, we've been, he was like a big brother to me growing up, yeah. um, because I'm back in my hometown and where I am. But, um, and the other guy's a good friend. And, um, and so I, I usually hear about when, uh, they're having to do things last minute and they're not real happy. And, yeah. um, when you can keep your admins happy and your facilities people happy, it's also going to make you, your job a lot easier and smoother you because win. they're going to take right. care of you. That's right. Yeah. Love covers a multitude of sins. And so if you've, you've treated them well and respected them well and treated them like a professional, when you do mess up, they're going to go, it's yep. okay. I love it. You know? I love it. Yep. Well, I'm sure there's a ton more we could talk about, um, but I, I feel like this is a good, a great head start for folks. Uh, lots to take away, I think, practical stuff. Shay, if folks wanted to find you or connect with you outside of this, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, yeah, that's a good question. So I have um, social media, but I'm not on it a whole lot anymore. But it's just, uh, I think it's Shay M. Osborne on Instagram, Shay Osborne. Um, you can look that up. Um, and that's probably going to be me. Um, and so, but, um, I'm at the, the Heights Baptist church in uh, Colonial Heights, Virginia is where I'm at. Um, and so, uh, occasionally you can hear a, a sermon or something by me on there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we're just, we're just kind of plugging away, uh, at what we're doing. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thanks for coming on again today. Uh, I'll put links for the, the books we mentioned in the show notes, as well as links to how to get a hold of Shay in that as well. Shay, thanks again, man. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Well, and there you have it. Just a, um, love Shay so much. Just a good guy, man. Loves Jesus, loves the church, tons of wisdom, hopefully tons of practical takeaways for you there. Again, show notes you can find at the loggerhall.com slash episode one, three, five. We'll have links for the books mentioned there, uh, as well as just a recap and, and any other helpful things there. So head over to the longer hall dot com slash episode one three five for that and that'll do it for this episode of the longer hall youth ministry podcast we will catch you in the next episode thanks for listening to the longer hall youth ministry podcast before you go hit that subscribe button to keep these conversations coming for notes resources and to join our community swing by the longer stay encouraged keep making a difference. And remember, we're in this for the longer haul. Catch you on the next episode.